Hello ladies, gentlemen, and the they-thems of the world. My name is Joey, if you're new here, and I'm your host of The Strange and Unusual with Joe. Welcome to episode 14. I'm really excited for this episode because I've been watching things about this case and reading about it for years. It's the Manson family murders. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to bring a few things up like usual. Do you have a scary story or true crime case you'd like for me to cover on the podcast? Submit them using using the link in, in the description. Do you like a podcast that is just kind of more laid back? Then my other, my other podcast, A Cup of Joe, is the right one for you. I upload episodes there every day. Also, I have a YouTube channel now where I post all the short films and other content I create. It's called Joey Davis Productions. I just posted one recently called A Haunted Winter's Weekend. I'll leave a link in the description. Lastly, follow all the social media to get updates on when a new episode comes out. The link is in the description. Alrighty, let's get, let's get into some disclaimers now before we jump into the episode. First off, listener discretion is advised for this episode since there will be descriptions of the crime scenes and what the Manson family did. Lastly, I mean absolutely no disrespect to anyone I talk about in this episode. This is just research I found on the internet and I'm compressing it together to let you guys know what I find in the episode. Also, there will be links to sources and recommended content about Charlie in the blog post that goes along with the episode. Okay, let's jump into the case. Before, before we get into what Charlie actually did, we've we've got to take a, a bit. We've got to talk a bit about his backstory, so you guys know where the where the craziness came from. If that makes sense. Okay, Charlie's childhood. Charlie Manson, born Charles Miles Maddox on November twelfth, nineteen thirty four, in Cincinnati, Ohio. His mother, Kathleen Maddox, had him at, at a really young age of 16. He, uh, she had an intense alcohol addiction and was a prostitute when she was, got pregnant with Charlie. When he was young, Charlie's mother actually once traded him for a pitcher of beer. A pitcher of beer! Kathleen later on in Charlie's childhood married a man named William Manson, but the marriage ended quickly and Charles was sent to an all-boys school at the age of 12. Charlie tried multiple times to get in touch and return to his mother, but his attempts were rejected every time. This sent Charles to live on the streets and start doing petty crimes. He would, for the next 20 years, go in and out of reform school and uh, in and out of jail. He was brutally assaulted there, to the point where he had enough and essentially did the abuse become the abuser type thing. You'll find out what I mean more later. Anyways, he would be later released on March 21st, 1967. After that, he moved to San Francisco. Okay, the next part we're going to talk about is his cult that he made um, pretty soon after. The family itself was a group of about 100 followers. They all shared a similar outlook on life to Manson. They were passionate about an unconventional lifestyle and habitual use of hallucinogenic drugs like LSD and magic mushrooms. I really don't want to read all of the names off of the of all of the flowers because there's a lot, as I said. So I'll link uh, a list of them in the in the blog post that goes with the episode.
they all believed in the cult that Char Charlie was like Jesus or something and what he was talking about when he was talking about a race war, which I can't believe that. Sorry, if, that, if you heard that, that was just my laptop. I apologize. I'll re-say I'll re re that again. They all believed in the cult that Charlie was Jesus. Like, literally, they all believed that he was Jesus and what he was talking about when he was talking about a race war, which... I'll bring up more what he meant by that later, but it's, it's, this, this dude is literally nuts. Okay, um, the next part we're going to talk about is we're actually going to get into the Helter Skelter murders, and then we'll talk about his motive after. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the first murder, uh, that happened was the Tate murders. The first victims in this murder spree is Sharon Tate. She was a huge actress at the time that lived with her husband, who was a direct director, Roman Polanski. She was pregnant, unfortunately, at the time of the murder. On the night of August 9th, 1969, her life would be sh cut very short, and she would never be able to see her baby that she was growing inside her belly. According to crimemuseum.org, according to the book Helter Skelter, The True Story of the Manson Murders by Vincent Bugliosi, I'm pretty sure I have that book. It's, I, I definitely need to read it. It's really good. I've heard it's really good. I did a lot of research on it, but I didn't read that book yet, so I'll, have, I'll definitely have to read it. Um, it was uh, that Vincent Guy as the lead prosecutor of the case, and Kurt Gentry, Charles Manson directed Charles, Char yeah, Charles Manson directed Charles Watson, Susan Atkins, Linda Kaziban, I can't say that name, I apologize, and Patricia Krenwinkel to enter the Tate residence, formerly the Melcher residence, who rejected Manson's music compilation and to destroy everyone in it as gruesome as you can. Apparently that's actually what Manson said, which is nuts to, to say that about a family, to say that you, you want to do that to a family, you know? Watson, Atkins, and a few other members of the cult climbed a brushy platform to gain entrance into the property. Watson entered the residence by cutting the screen on the window and then opened the front door of the others that were, that were with her. Opened the front door for the others. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> um, according to crimemuseum.org, Kazaban was at the end of the driveway to keep watch. Watson and the group entered the residence and found Tate, Folger, Frykowski, and Sebring. Tate and Sebring were tied together by their necks and Folger was taken into a nearby bedroom. The, all these people were related and um, they all knew uh, Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, if you were wondering who these names were. Sebring was shot and stabbed seven times. Frykowski was bound by a towel but managed to free himself. After doing so, he became involved in a physical alter altercation with Atkins, resulting in her stabbing him in the legs, which, ow. Frykowski continued to flee, but Watson struck him with the gun multiple times over the head, shot and stabbed him multiple times. I apologize, that was my phone. Um, but that's, that's crazy. Folger, 
fled the room she was taken to and then was chased by Krenwinkel. Folger was stabbed by Krenwinkel and eventually stabbed by Watson as well. Folger was stabbed a total of 28 times by both Krenwinkel and Watson. Meanwhile, Frykowski was struggling across the lawn when Watson came to stab him again. Frykowski was stabbed a total of 51 times. Sharon Tate had witnessed all of this, all of this madness. She pleaded multiple times with them to be able to stay alive to, and to have her baby, but Charlie wasn't having it, and one of, one of his members, and he had one of his members kill her. Tate was unfortunately stabbed a total of 16 times. The next murders that happened, it's, they happened the night after the Tate murders on August 10th, 1969. It's the LaBianca murders. Um, unlikely, uh, unlike, the Tate mur- the, unlike the Tate murder, though, Manson actually joined in on the rampage. He was, be, uh, this was because he felt like there wasn't enough panic from the victims at the Tate's house, which... This thought alone sends chills down my spine. The victims were here. The, 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 the victims here were Lino B- La Bianca and his wife Rosemary. On the walls of the living room, they wrote "Death to Pigs" in Lino's blood and "Helter Skelter" on the refrigerator. I didn't find who in whose blood it was, though. All right. The next part is the investigation. Tate's housekeeper found the bodies in the home the morning of August 10th. They also found the La La Bianca's bodies the day after. The beginning of both investigations came with a ton of dead ends, until they found stolen vehicles and made multiple arrests. According to crimemuseum.org, while the Manson family was in Death Valley digging into the ground for the bottomless pit, they burned machinery belonging to the Death Valley National Monument. Burning the machinery led to the raiding of the Death Valley ranches by police authorities. During the raid, police found multiple stolen vehicles and made multiple arrests. Forgive me if I say this wrong, because it's a weird name. It's Busoli's girlfriend, Kitty Lutzinger. Lutzinger was arrested along with the Manson family at the ranch. Upon LaBianca detectives discovering the uh, Lutzinger's relationship with Busoli, the LaBianca detectives spoke with her. She informed the LaBianca detectives that Manson was seeking a bodyguard from a motorcycle gang for for the Spawn Ranch. Furthermore, she informed detectives that Adkins was involved with the Hinman murders, which I didn't talk about them because there wasn't much about those murders, but if you want to do more research, I'll leave more I'll leave links about that one. Which Lutzinger's boyfriend Belusi was arrested for. All the while, Atkins began sharing the details of the late, of the Tate murder in her bunkmates to her bunkmates in jail and admitted to being involved in the Hinman murder. They, uh, these details would jumpstart the murder investigations of the Tate murder and then further connect the Manson family with the LaBianca murders. After this, they did more investigating by getting fingerprints and that helped them and that helped them solve this crime finally. Okay, we're going to move on to Charlie's motives for the murders. 
Um, according to biography.com, Manson had a strong belief and interest in the notion of Armageddon from the book of Revelations and also explored the teachings of Scientology and more obscure cult churches, such as the Church of the Final Judgment. He was very versed in the cult in, in the cults and what they did, so much that his personality traits reflected those of one that was in one already before he actually created the Manson family, which is crazy. He also really believed, like I said earlier, that there was a race war coming, so much so that he got all of his followers to believe in it too. Um, another influence for some weird reason was the Beatles song Helter Skelter. Also, if you hear meowing in the background, that's just my cat. He wants to get in the in my room because he um, I, I, I let him out and uh, he usually meows when he wants to get back in and he just like meows at the door for like hours. It's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, let's get back to the case. I apologize. Um, the, the, the other influence, which is weird, like I said, is the, the Beatles song, Helter Skelter. Charlie wasn't only into hallucinogenic drugs, hallucinogenic drugs like LSD. He was also influenced by the song Helter Skelter by the Beatles, like I said. The leader of the Beatles and Charlie Manson have totally different interpretations of the song. Paul McCartney says it's a metaphor for the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, which totally makes sense. Here's Charlie Manson's side. He said that it's, it talks about the race war he was thinking about was coming soon, which is crazy. He actually used the album Helter Skelter itself. The, uh, the, the, he actually used the album that Helter Skelter was on itself to justify his scheme and guide his followers to murder. He claimed that an album led him to murder. What? <laughs> um... The next part is the trial. The trial began with seven counts of murder and one count of conspiracy. Manson began. Manson became his own attorney at his court trial and violated a lot of rules. To object to that, he carved an X on his forehead. Here's the disturbances he made. Manson would be very vocal about his views during the trial. He even got so mad that he screamed across the table and said, I'm going to cut your head off to a lady across the table, which... And he had so many outbursts like that during trial, which is crazy. Atkins did her testimony and her attorney changed her mind on questioning her because she was so scared of her. However, when Manson did this the next day, he would talk for over an hour. Watson was tried and found guilty of all eight counts. And here's the verdict of Manson's uh, of Manson's case. The jury took a week to, de to deliberate this case. They finally came up with giving them all the death penalty. The death penalty, the death penalty convictions, though, were turned into life sentences. Manson now. Charlie Manson died on November 19th, 2017 from natural causes. Okay, everyone, that is all I have left for today's case. I'm not sure where the, the, the members are. I am pretty sure either they're in jail or dead because they're probably pretty old by now, so I'm not sure about that. Um, 
I'll have to leave the usual links you, um, to, for everyone in the, in the description of this episode to, for you guys to research it. I'll talk to everyone next week with an all-new episode on the Ted Bundy case. This is Joey, signing out.